I forgot to set all this stuff up. Okay, here we go. Todd. Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. It's the Upworthy Weekly Podcast. I'm Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. Allison, you may know her from the show Childish with her co-host, Greg Fitzsimmons, and also a super popular podcast called Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, which I believe... Now, I was just scratching my head as I was writing out this intro, and I believe that at some point... For, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong, Allison. Oh, I love to do that, so I, you know I will. I tell live me, for it, Todd. Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I think I was once a guest on Allison Rosen is you, Your New Best Friend. Yes, you were. And you're due to come back any day now. It's just been that we've been so heavily booked. You do not even know, Todd. It's been, I've been looking for a slot for you. I've been like, we got to get Todd Perry in. I go to our booker. Incidentally, I'm the booker, but I go to her and I, excuse me, and I say, we got to find a slot for Todd Perry. He's fantastic. And she says, yes, it's at the top of my list. And then weeks go by and I, I, I circle back and I say, just want to put this at the top. You just want to corporate jargon, corporate jargon. And then I get corporate jargon back and then it's uh, we do it again and again. But we'll find another. Well, you'll come back. I promise. Okay. Allison Rosen promise. I, oh, oh, that, that, that cannot be broken. <laughs> Good. Well, I you just want to back to the bank. I just wanted to be sure that I wasn't filed under a little bit of Todd goes a long way kind of thing where like, you know, or maybe some listeners, like maybe it was like the the, the poorest downloaded episode in Allison Rosen is your new big best friend history. Um, What were you going to say is your new big friend? Because I do not like where that was headed. Although there's nothing wrong with being a big friend. The more the more the merrier of, of my friendship. Listen, Todd. You were on a Thursday show, and then didn't I also do a Patreon episode with you? Yeah, that's true, Where we got yes. to know you. Mm-hmm. And then also yeah. you and I guest hosted Natch Butte, which is my friend Jackie Johnson's show. Yeah. So right. we have done a lot of podcasting. Wait, were you also on a Monday show of my show? Have you done that, a one-on-one? Uh, I don't believe so. No, I don't think I've... Okay. But you've almost done all the shows. Yeah, I've almost, almost. done all the shows. I've, d- I've done almost a certain amount. I was just, no, the thing was, it was just so long ago. You know, <laughs> like, my my brain, like, things, it's it's hard for me to remember things that happened months and months, or whether they months did, or whether right. it might have. Did you dream it? Who, who's to say, really? Which I think kind of leads us into the first story we're doing today. Doesn't it? I know. Yeah. What a wonderful lead. And I just want to point out to people, both you and I are a little bit under the weather, but they would never know because we are consummate professionals. But just in keeping with, I believe, something that came up on the last show, I can't remember if it came up or not. It's not COVID. Yeah. We don't have COVID. We just have one of the other millions of germs going around that we're all catching now i I bet 99 percent of people listening also have something because it seems that everyone is sick but you know what we're gonna bring you a little bit of sunshine because we are upworthy weekly okay don't you have to tell them like you know your whole spiel at the beginning these are the stories between this day and this day blah 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 i'm todd king of good news blah Oh, yeah, and I'm Todd Perry. Uh, you may know me as a staff writer here at Upworthy. <laughs> and on this week, we're going to go over some of those popular and engaging stories on Upworthy from October 10th to the 14th. And now, Allison, what do you got? 
All right. Well, did you know, Todd, that 5% of people continue sleep talking into adulthood? So apparently it's not uncommon for children to talk in their sleep, but 5% of people uh, continue this harmless habit, which you do when you're sort of active dreaming, into adulthood. Uh, There's a term for it, a somniloquy, which you and I feel like is probably made up, but I like the term anyway. Uh, And a lot of people on Twitter were sharing some of the funny things that they overheard from their sleeping sleep talking partners uh, or themselves. And this got kicked off when a woman named Joanna Hardy tweeted this. Good morning to everyone except my partner who at 2 a.m. mid-dream sat bolt upright in bed and terrifyingly shouted into the dark, will there be a buffet? Uh, And then... Someone responded, oh, I have many of these stories. One night, my partner half got up and then swung a leg right out of bed, kicking the radiator, which woke him up. I asked him what he was doing. Scoring a goal was his answer. He doesn't even play football. Uh, Here's one that I could not stop laughing from. I don't know if I can get through it without laughing. Strawberry Mojo says, reading in bed one evening. Excuse me, this microphone is getting fresh with me. Reading in bed one evening, my husband, snoring next to me, had been asleep for a bit. He suddenly sat... (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Sat... Shoot. Sat up, leaned over, squeezed my boob gently, grinned, and said, You you can't do that at the hairdressers. And then lay back down and continued snoring. No recollection the next day. You can't do that at the hairdressers. That seems like a a punchline, like on some like eighties TV show, you know, yes. or like 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 something that would that would happen on like Benny Hill. You yes, know? and then you like, can't do that at the hairdressers. I'll buy that for a dollar, you know. Oh, I am recalling your uh, your catchphrase. Put I'll put that on my plate, or don't put that on my plate. What was your bad catchphrase? Oh, oh, get off my plate. <laughs> yes. Okay. Positive Sarah says, I once woke up to find my ex standing up on the bed, facing the bedroom wall in a diving, this one's harrowing, in a diving pose and about to jump through it into the living room. Thankfully, I woke him up before he gave himself a concussion. That would be alarming. Would you wake Plus, up? Plus, you know. Oh, I was going to say, would you wake up your husband in this situation or would you just go? Oh, yeah. I'd like to see how this plays out. <laughs> no, because I'm not evil, Todd. Oh. Um, and but but you know, there's that. Uh, I don't know what I would call it. Like bit of conventional wisdom that's like if someone is sleep talking or like acting something out in their sleep, you're not supposed to wake them up. But I don't think it's true. If they're about to harm themselves in the middle of being asleep, I think you should definitely get in their way. If they're about to drive a car, if they're about, whatever they're about to, if they're screaming, whatever they're, definitely feel free to interrupt that. Uh, okay, hate, here's here's a sweet one. Hate hypocrisy says, my three-year-old started shouting in her sleep, but I don't want to be a chicken. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, Allison Donnelly says, I was, I was once told by my husband that he'd ironed the potatoes and on a particularly memorable night that Thomas the Tank Engine was in our bedroom. Oh, what? Was Thomas Mr. the Tank Engine was, was in their bedroom. Was Mr. Topham Hat with him? <laughs> or Percy? Yeah. Uh, I, I do not know. Um, these are all amazing. I used to talk in my sleep a lot as like a but as a child and then as a preteen and I haven't done it in a really I haven't done it in a really long time I the the last time I kind of became aware of it um it was always it sort of followed a pattern it would be like one thing was different um about the the way I was sleeping so like like some like my sister was sleeping in my room for some reason. So my sister was in a sleeping bag in my room and I remember I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, "Where did they go?" And she said, "Who?" And I said, and this is this is something for a therapist. I said, "Mom and that man." Oh. And she's like, "What?" And and by the way, it would always happen or like I would march out and I have I'll, I'll go back to that story, but like I would march out, 
you know, from my bedroom and be talking to my parents and they'd be like, honey, you're asleep. And I'm like, and I would get very frustrated when people would try to tell me like you're asleep or cause I would be so frustrated trying to ask a question and I couldn't get the words out. I remember that feeling of frustration. So anyway, back to like, where did they go? Mom and that man. And I was getting very frustrated with her not understanding. And then I like woke myself up out of it. And I said to her, "Never mind, I'm asleep. And that was like, I kind of, that's the last time I ever did it that I'm aware. Um, so yeah. So it was like once you had like this kind of internal awareness that you were asleep, it's like your your brain learned that and then stopped doing it. Yeah, I mean, I th- or maybe I said, never mind, I'm, I-, I don't think I said I'm asleep. I said like, never mind, I'm sleep talking. Like I, it's like I became conscious of that sensation of frustration, meaning I am not fully awake. And I like it, I woke myself up out of it and realized what was happening. Um, I do remember one time <clears throat> a guy I was dating, I found him and I hope it's okay. This is quasi upworthy about to go to the bathroom into a, my trash can. <laughs> and I said, I said, that's not the toilet. Number one. Uh, okay, thank, yeah. Thankfully. Oh my gosh. If it had <laughs> been number two, that would have been a different situation. Um, that would like, have been oh. a re- reason for a breakup. If, if the, like number one, yes. okay, acceptable. Number two, I'm sorry. You're, you're going yeah. to need to find a new woman. <laughs> And then I remember hearing in about something like that in college. There was like, let me ask you, as a a man who has a cocktail now and again, mm. how frequently does it? How frequently do you mistake things for toilets? I'm I'm batting Is this a, a thing that happens often. I'm batting a hundred, a hundred percent here, a thousand. I forget the metaphor. I have. <laughs> Never gone and and tried to pee in a corner or in a closet or on any flora or fauna. Uh, oh, that's nice. that's never happened to me after I drink. I had a buddy though that was just wild with this type of behavior, and he actually got banned from passing out at my apartment by my roommate because one night I had a little balcony overlooking the street that was in my Uh-oh. room of the two bedroom apartment. This is, this is already going somewhere awful. And I, I didn't wake up. This all happened while I was asleep. So the next morning, my roommate goes to work, and the neighbor, who we Uh-oh. never talked to, we, we never talked, I shared the balcony with the neighbor. And uh, as he's getting ready to go to work, the neighbor pops out and goes, excuse me, could you not have uh, people peeing <laughs> off the balcony? <laughs> and he was like, what? And and he was like, well, who did it? What did they look like? And they described my buddy. And um, mm-hmm. so then there was a conversation. I, I kind of defended the guy. I was, I was like, look, he had, a, he had a lot to drink, you know? And my roommate's <laughs> like, but well, no, you just don't pee off the balcony. I was like, yeah, oh, well. Right. I tried to be a bro about it, but it, that that was a line yeah. that my mm-hmm. my roommate drew. And I think it was a healthy boundary. I think so, too. I yeah. think so too. I mean, I appreciate you trying to follow some kind of bro code, but like, I don't know. Like, dude, dude had too much to drink. What do you want? You know, it, it's like sometimes it, it's an excuse I use for things. I'm like, I tell my wife, I'm like, of course I didn't remember. I was drunk. You know? Yeah. I yeah. I mean, like he had too much to drink, and there was someone in the bathroom. Is more of an excuse. He had too much to drink, and the toilet was overflowing. Is also not a great excuse, but just he had too much to drink. That is not going to fly. And mistook Miramar Avenue for uh, American Standard. Uh, my yeah. wife has told me that I have talked in my sleep a few times, and the one that I remember was, I guess, in the middle of the night, I blurted out, "No, Snoopy, I'm Linus." <laughs> I'm Linus. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I don't know, I always kind of felt like I identified with Linus in some way anyway, more more so than Charlie Brown maybe. But I don't I have no idea where that came from. Uh but I it's it's a beautiful sentiment, you know. And yeah. the fact that Snoopy is always like telling me I'm somebody I'm not, which is like no good, right. you know. Yeah. Um 
Well, who do you think Snoopy was telling you you were? Uh, Peppermint Patty. Oh, okay. You know? So, uh, also, I used to sleepwalk when I was a kid. Okay. And so I remember waking up. We lived in an apartment, my mother and I, and I remember waking up in the laundromat, in like the laundry room of the apartment. Like I walked outside mm. in my pajamas, and I was look. I was looking for my mother, which is probably mm-hmm. some weird other thing that should be investigated. And right. I remember just waking up in the laundry room, going, "Why am I in the laundry room?" Yeah. And then I was like, "I was looking for my mother," and I was like, "Oh, weird." And then I walked back in the house and. Uh, Went back to bed. I also, I once... You're lucky that it was so without incident. Yeah. And I once yeah. walked into, walked over to the neighbor's house, knocked on the door, and because I, well, I wanted breakfast because they used to make make me eggs when I was a kid. And so, uh-huh. I, I don't know, I wanted sustenance uh-huh. in the middle of the night, so I went to Mrs. Groat's house and knocked on the door. So, In the I, middle of the night? Yeah, in the middle of the night, yeah. And what happened, do you know? No, I just knocked on the door, and I think I remember the next day vividly going, oh, my God, like I walked out of the house, and it was fine. <laughs> did you unlock the door, or did your mom leave the door unlocked? You you must have unlocked the door and gotten out, right? Yeah, I must have unlocked the door, I guess. Uh, my, <laughs> wow. My wife sometimes, she says silly stuff to me because she goes to bed before me usually, and then when I come to bed, she'll wake up and she'll go, are you going to bed? And I go... <laughs> I go, yeah, it's like 11.30. And then she goes, no, it's not. And I go, yeah, yeah, it's like 11.30 right now. That's why I'm going to bed. And she'll be like, no, no. It's... And then we'll start arguing, having a mini argument before bed about what time it is. And then by the time time I'm like, you want to you know, look at the clock and like grab the phone? Then she's just like, you're just so difficult or whatever. And then goes back to bed. Like, what? She picks a fight with me over something that... yeah. Is de- demonstrably we can find the truth to this. We're gonna look at a clock right. and then say, eh, right. just "Forget you, so tough, you whatever." You know, it's tired, and then goes to bed. Oh my god, I I admire that she can just roll over and go to bed. I that would that kind of friction would wake me up, and I'd just be like, "Ah!" But that's me. No, it's she grew up in a Catholic household. There. Conflict. <laughs> She's used to stuffing it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's soothing. It's she falls asleep to conflict sounds like on a, a, a noise machine. <laughs> Upworthy Weekly. William Shatner describes the profound grief he felt when he finally went to space for real. And this is an article by Annie Renault. Uh, we love her. Yes, as. You guys may remember, last year in October, William Shatner, the star of Star Trek, was now 90. And if you look at him, he doesn't look 90, and he doesn't look like he's had a bunch of work. Like, he looks like he's, like, 70 years old. Like, he hasn't aged in 20 years. Like, since Ally McBeal, he's been the same age, or Boston Legal, he's been the same age. How does he do it? I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't age in space, or it, like, reverses you. I think you don't. Or do you age more? No, you would age less. Be- what is it? You would age less because there's less gravity, except the. I wonder if like all the G's you go through traveling there. It's definitely one or the other. If we had a scientist listening, we need, again, I've said many times on the show that we need a panel of people that we could just call upon. Need, like when you're yes. watching an, an NFL game and they're like, throw it to Gene territory, like the mm-hmm. former referee, and you'll go, that was a good call, right. John. Right. Um, you know, I was right. saying we, we need an NFL referee, we need a scientist, we need a rabbi for spiritual matters. We just need all these people mm-hmm. we can consult. I have a young person czar on my show that I can consult when I need to ask like uh, the the young people, how do they feel about this emoji or something like that? So we need a scientist. Yeah. If you're a scientist, email us. What's that email? Uh, Upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. And let us know, is the reason William Shatner looks young because he went to space once? Yeah. Please. (laughs) So so the, the funny thing is, I guess... He had a sense of profound grief, and uh, I guess he has a memoir coming out, and he uh, gave an excerpt to uh, to Variety. And so I'm going to read a little bit of why he felt the grief. 
Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. When I looked into space, there was no mystery. Oh, wow. This is a bit intense. This is a bit... Okay. There was no mystery. No majestic awe to behold. All I saw was death. What? I saw cold, dark, black emptiness. It was unlike any, any blackness you can see or feel on Earth. It was deep, enveloping, all-encompassing. I turned back towards the light of home. I could see the curvature of the Earth, the beige of the desert, the white of the clouds and the blue of the sky. It was life. Nurturing, sustaining life. Mother Earth, Gaia. I like that, Gaia. Gaia. I like, it was life. I like yeah. the way you said it. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing William Shatner. No. <clears throat> but no, I'm, you're not, but you're, I'm feeling it still. Yeah. I'm, I've, I'm channeling his, his energy, you know. Um, yeah. Everything I had thought was wrong. Everything I had expected to see was wrong. I had thought that going into space would be the ultimate catharsis of that connection I had been looking for between all living things. That being up there would be the next beautiful step to understanding the harmony of the universe. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I have ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. Mm. <laughs> imagine, imagine that you're on this like a... Uh, you're on this flight, you know, and it's like a bunch of rich guys who are sitting around and uh, they're all going into space and they're like, ah, crap, I had to sit next to Shatner and he was weeping like a baby the entire flight. I'm trying <laughs> to I'm trying to join the flight and Shatner's here, like, oh, the vast emptiness of space, you know, because I'm just trying to enjoy my cocktail and uh, fly out right. into orbit. This guy's getting all emo on me. It's like, can I enjoy anything, mm. Shatner? No wonder... No wonder George Takei hated you, you know? It's weird that he thought it would allow him to understand the, like, deep, whatever he said, the deep connectedness or whatever. Like, I get morose just going to the airport. I wouldn't think going to space would allow you to understand the deep connective tip. Oh, my gosh, I can't even say the words. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I would actually think that, gr- that going to space would make you feel a bit of ennui. Mm. He should have talked to me. I would have told him. I, I could have predicted this, Shatner. You're going to be bummed out. Uh, <laughs> he said that, I learned later I was not alone in this feeling. It's called the mm-hmm. overview effect. And it's not uncommon amongst astronauts, including Yuri Gagarin, <laughs> my, my, Michael Collins, <laughs> Sally Ride. I'm sorry. Did, if, you, if you pronounce that correctly, I'm sorry to giggle. That's his name, Yuri <laughs> Okay. When he was born... So now he's putting himself in the category of all these astronauts. Keep going. <laughs> yes. Uh, essentially, when someone travels to space and views Earth from orbit, a sense of the planet's fragility takes an ineffable, instinctive manner. It reinforced tenfold my view that on the power of our beautiful, mysterious, collective human entanglement, it eventually... It returned a feeling of hope to my heart. In this insignificance we share, we have one gift that other species perhaps do not. We are aware, not only of our insignificance, but the grandeur around us that makes us insignificant. Mm. Mm. It's kind of beautiful and kind of not. Yeah, well, it's kind of like I want to get my money back now on that $300,000 down payment I made on a flight. Because if I'm going to get that out of it, you know, then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How long is the flight? Like, what do you get for your 300000 You get those little booties for your feet, like you those do? little socks okay. like you get on Virgin Air. Um, okay. Some... So you get like a tiny toothpaste? You get a tiny toothpaste in case you got you got to brush up there, um, mm-hmm. but it's hard to brush because there's no gravity and like the, the right. toothpaste <laughs> comes off, you know, yeah. um, straight in the air. Yeah, yeah. You get that. Um, you get headphones. Okay, great. Do you get a nice blanket? Yeah, you get a. It's tiny though. It's very small. It's not. You know. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, how long is the whole thing? Do you know? I don't know. I don't. It's got to be like it, a couple, only a couple hours, right? 
Yeah, I think they're up there quick and then they're back. It's like, it's kind of like once they like reach into something that you could be like, okay, this is space and they get out. Like they get, they just like basically touch space and then they, they come right. back into not space that's beneath Wh- space. Why so, is it, why is it so short? I know that you don't know the answers. That's why we need a science person. But like, why can't they stay there for like a little bit longer? Yeah. That's a question for our science person, right? Yeah. You know, William Shatner's experience reminds me of a great quote by uh, philosopher Alan Watts, who I quite enjoy. Mm. And Alan Watts once said, the only Zen you get on a mountaintop is the Zen that you bring with you. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. What could you, uh, could you, so what do you think he means by that? Well, let me ask the rabbi we have. No, I think he means that, like, if you, like, I went to India once. And Is I it thought, like a wherever you go, there you are kind of thing? A bit, but I think it's also like enlightenment can be found in any situation, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, it like, and, you know, the, the, the universe works in a way that, you know, as above, as below, everything kind of being equal, that you should be able to find enlightenment anywhere. Um, so that's, that's it. You, you, it doesn't need to be somewhere beautiful or somewhere vast that you could find it in a, right. at a bus stop somewhere in some place that no one cares about. It's like, I went to India yes. and I thought, oh, this is going to be like the spiritual place. And it was like, no, it was another country. It was a great country. I love the country, mm-hmm. but yeah, there wasn't anything right. enlightening about India specifically. So the Beatles lied. Um, and then I was also thinking reading this Shatner bit that I was once in Costa Rica and I was going rappelling. And so I did this like line and I had to go down like 180 feet down a waterfall. And there was like 12 people on this excursion. And of course they made me go first. I think like my wife like pushed me to the front, like Todd, you go, you go. And I was like, no, you know, I'm kind of scared. And so with my back, my back was, you know, to everybody and I was getting ready to you know rappel down 180 feet and everything in my Mm -hmm. body was like don't jump off a cliff where do you a moron you know self-preservation so then I thought if you're leaving the planet there's got to be something in your body that's like no don't leave the planet you're gonna die go back (laughs) down there right that's where the air is and the water is and the other people and beer and everything you need is down there it's not up there in space Mm -hmm. honey it's not going to work right. out for you up there. Right, right. There's like a, yeah, a survival instinct. Yeah. Well, but like I said, I get a little bit of, uh, I feel melancholy going to the airport mm. when I travel. Like when I, I don't know if I've mentioned before, I used to live in New York. And oh. when I would get in a cab on my way to the airport, I would begin to feel it then. I don't know what it is. I mean, I imagine people who travel all the time no longer feel that, but there's just something about, Leave. It's like that, uh, you know, Peter Paul and Mary song, "Leaving on a Jet Plane," which is sort of a, a, a melancholy song. Uh, there's just something about traveling, and then I just imagine that's like magnified by a zillion when you're leaving the Earth. Yeah, I don't think you can handle it. I think you'd be like the world. Me personally, yeah, I think you'd be like a terrible astronaut. No, I think you personally would be a terrible astronaut. You know. Oh, yeah. You, you know that thing where they, like, turn you on your side and spin you? The mm. training? As part of the training? I would be... I can't even handle a boat. I can't even <laughs> handle a 100-car ferry. I remember... I get very seasick, and I remember my dad saying I'd be fine. We went on a 100-car ferry, and I was like, what? I didn't even know this existed, because I only have experience. There's a ferry down in... Newport Beach, and it's yeah. like a three cars can go on it. That's my my one experience of the ferry is like three car ferry. So we were crossing the Delaware. Maybe is there a big ferry that crosses the Delaware? Sure, on the East Coast. Yeah, and so I was like a hundred car ferry. Oh my god, it's like a traveling parking structure, and I was so excited by this. And he's like, it's so big. There's no way you'll get seasick. So so seasick. So anyway. No, I would. I, I have no interest in going to space unless it's like the Earth has become an uninhabitable, and it's the only place we can go. And at that point, I got a lot of thinking to do. Yeah. 
You'll, you'll go begrudgingly. I'll complain the whole time. Yeah. And I'll, I'll ruin it for everyone else. Kids. I might go. I don't know. I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to see the menu first. I need to see what, what it's like, you know. Can somebody, you can somebody turn up the gravity in here? <laughs> Have you seen my hair? <laughs> oh, my God. What would happen to my hair? It would just be big. It'd be yeah. like all up and I'd probably have to cut it shorter because long hair going like my hair would take up so much room. And I've got this feeling of even ennui coming out here. <laughs> <laughs> hey. People like me for my authenticity, Todd. Upworthy, Upworthy weekly. weekly. October is ADHD Awareness Month, where uh, we are trying to correct some of the misconceptions about ADHD. So people often think that uh, ADHD means that you just lack the ability to concentrate and you lack attention. But that's really not what it is. What it is is uh, people with ADHD struggle to focus on things that don't interest them, but they are able to like hyper-focus on things that hold their interest. Uh, so ADHD, so attention deficit. Oh my God. Hyperactivity. Disorder. Thank you for the assist. See, that's why we have to go to space together because I would be up there just floating around searching for words like a lost beach ball um adhd advocate jesse h nope i just want to point out again i'm not 100 percent well i'm a little bit sick and i'm trying to do my best for you i'm a martyr of sorts i'm trying to do my best for you people adhd advocate jesse j anderson shared an anecdote from dr ned hallowell's book driven to distraction and a lot of people with adhd feel seen by this story because apparently it like perfectly encapsulates the experience of having ADHD. Uh, so I will read you this story. Um, and this was a story for, uh, that a patient had told him who has ADHD. So someone left a cough drop on the dashboard of our car. The other day I saw the cough drop and thought, I'll have to throw that away. When I arrived at my first stop, I forgot to take the cough drop to a trash can. Mm -hmm. When I got back into the car, I saw it and thought, I'll throw it away at the gas station. The gas station came and went and I hadn't thrown the cough drop away. Well, the whole day went like that, the cough drop still sitting on the dashboard. Mm -hmm. When I got home, I thought, I'll take it inside with me and throw it out. In the time it took me to open the car door, I forgot about the cough drop. It was there to greet me when I got into the car the next morning. Jeff was with me. I looked at the cough drop and burst into tears. Jeff asked me why I was crying, and I told him it was because of the cough drop. He thought I was losing my mind. But you don't understand, I said. My whole life is like that. I see something that I mean to do, and then I don't do it. It's not only trivial things like the cough drop, it's big things too. That is why I cried. And in the comments, tons of people are like, yes, I feel seen. This is exactly what it's like, etc. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I... I don't, I have not been, I don't have ADHD. I've not been diagnosed with it. Although as someone who has spent some time on TikTok now, there's so many, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize or take away from the actual, uh, you know, experience of having ADHD. So very, very quick sidebar. There are so many videos on TikTok that talk about ADHD that like, if you watch enough of them, you're like, maybe I also have it. Right. Um, so I actually said to my therapist, like, do I have ADHD? And she said, I don't, I don't think you do. But anyway, um, you know, I looked at this and I'm like, but I totally could imagine doing the cough drop thing. I can be forgetful like this. But the part of it that I did not relate to was the, the crying part, like the part where it's so devastating because of it. And I guess that's the part that's the ADHD aspect of it is like this feeling of it's just the overwhelming like, I cannot keep track of anything really. Like everything in my life feels like this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What's your What's your reaction to it? You know, I didn't want to be that person that reads it and goes, "Oh my god, that's me." But that's me. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. I'm, I'm not like a diagnosed person. My wife always says that I don't have the hyperactivity, but I have the the thing with the I'm constantly in daydream mode all day, 
And then uh-huh. I have to get out of that to get into like to focus on important things. Um, so I think I think that leads to creativity. That leads to be able to doing podcasts mm-hmm. and writing. But it also makes like going somewhere with a shopping list or running errands like a fraught experience mm-hmm. and a frustrating experience and things like having a job and having to be on time to that job uh, was always yeah. very difficult for me. When I was in college, I was late like to every class 80% of the time. I was the guy sneaking in the back. I was the person that it takes me 30 minutes to get somewhere, but my brain goes, no, it'll take you five. And it like... <laughs> And no matter what, like every time you do this every day and it's a completely very frustrating thing and it's, oh, I got to pay that parking ticket. You see the parking ticket. You don't pay the parking ticket. And now the parking Mm -hmm. ticket doubles. And that was my life for a very long time. And one reason why it took me forever to graduate school. And it wasn't until I went into therapy and everything where I started kind of getting a, a grip on those things and learning workarounds in life. So I don't think... Been diagnosed or whatever, but I am whatever this describes. I think I have it, and you have that. My wife that my wife tells me this all the time. You know, she and um, of recent, due to personal reasons, I've been learning a lot about ADHD and the uniqueness of, of being neurologically mm-hmm. different. And the one thing I do have is I have the intense focus thing where mm-hmm. I could sit and be like. I will sit for eight hours quietly by myself and like sit and write about like something I'm interested in, like whales, for example, or something esoteric like that. And (laughs) I had that hyper focus. So it's it's, it's just kind of like an imbalance where I was reading where with ADHD, you have the ability to pay attention, but your ability to regulate it. Someone who's neurologically typical can sit and regulate between the different things. And you're just you're kind of off balance in that way mm-hmm. uh, when you have ADHD. I think Daniel has it and it frustrates me a lot. And then I feel guilty for being frustrated. Um, like I'll remind him of something and then he'll ask me to remind him. And I'm like, I just reminded you like this was your reminder And so it's this constant hot potato of like, he's constantly asking me to remind him again. And I'm like, but that just put the onus back on me. Yeah. When, when like you need, you need to get a time management. Like he started putting reminders in his phone and stuff, but it's basically his um, time management skills. But like, apparently because his mom will come visit and she'll be like, he's been like this. His, and it sounds like it's, it, it's, she's not crapping on him. She's just kind of giving me the, the context. Like he's been like this his entire life. Like mm-hmm. time management is just a struggle for him. Like the, the, you know, losing things, the forgetfulness and things like that. And all of it, I think is sort of consistent with ADHD. Um, and I think it's just like either, but like I, I'll lie in bed and all of a sudden I'll like, like a, it, it's like an electric shock will go through me and I'm like, oh no, I forgot about this thing. Or, you know, like I'm constantly this like thing is running, rippling through me of like, did I forget anything? It's not a pleasant way to live, but I'm just constantly sort of scanning to make sure that I'm on top of things. And I, and I think Daniel is free of that. Yeah. And you know, the thing is when you have that kind of for, quote forgetful way about yourself, it is very frustrating and because you're like, I can't do anything right. You, you have that yeah. problem. I know. That's how he feels. And there's a and fear. He feels like I'm always. he feels like I'm always mad at him. And I feel terrible that he feels that way. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there's a fear to it because you're constantly like, well, I'm probably forgetting something right now. I'm probably screwing yeah. up. I'm probably doing something incorrectly right now. And so you're kind of co- constantly in this, this uh, like mental prison in a way. And they also say the interesting thing is that people who have brains like this, when they take stimulants, it makes them calm. That's so interesting. Versus the the neurotypical brain, it makes you more manic or antic. So can I ask, what are some of, and this is completely self-motivated, what are some of the workarounds that you've learned? I, I make a lot of lists for things mm-hmm. like I'm constantly and it's also like when something occurs to me I know I have to do it immediately because I don't trust myself right 
It's yeah. like, I don't trust myself to remember that. I totally won't. So I have to do this. Or like, if, if I'm like, I have to go into the office for work and I'm like, okay, I have to be there at nine in the morning in Hollywood. It's like, mm-hmm. I am the day before I get anxiety because I know that like my brain's going to lie to me and say, mm-hmm. it's cool. You can leave at eight ten, Right. And so I get anxiety. Like you just don't trust yourself right. in a certain way. And so that you, you have to work extra hard. It was like my, my buddy, Brian Whitman once said to me, he has OCD and like diagnosed intense OCD. And he's like, what would he say? He goes, Todd, I don't trust my senses. And I was like, Whoa, you know? So I think that in again, lots of lists, um, fear, fear of my wife getting mad at me, but it's also like (laughs) routines, like routines. Like if Mm -hmm. my kid has a new routine in the morning, I'm like, okay. And I tell my wife, I go, I'm going to mess this up a couple times in the first two weeks and then I'll get it. But it's going to take me a couple times. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mess up because it's, it takes a while for the brain to get it, to get it right. Kind of thing. So, yes. Yeah. So I don't want to be that person on a podcast. that's talking about like, I have a disorder, but I definitely, I've, I've got this, whatever that thing is. It's like, I, I've got that, you know? Yeah. It's okay to be that person. A lot of people listening are relating to it. I think it's good to talk about <laughs> things you struggle with. Okay, very good. Come back to the warmth of Gaia. <laughs> you said, you know, the th- you said you said that with negative gravitas. You know, I feel like when you drop Gaia in a sentence, you have to be like, "Come back to Mother Gaia." You can't just be like, "Come back to Gaia." I know. Upworthy. I threw it. I, I threw it away. How watching horror films can actually help some people manage their anxiety. Now we're over to Planet Allison. Um, and th- this was an article by Annie Renault, who writes for Upworthy, who was wonderful. And she writes, The idea that watching The Shining, Psycho, or The Invisible Man can make you less anxious might sound backward. Anxiety is basically fear, after all. So how can making yourself afraid on purpose by watching a horror movie possibly help? Scare yourself to be less scared? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Or does it? I I don't know. I'll be the judge of that. Oh, also, we need a psychologist that's also sitting. (laughs) We need. We are. We are very needy. We're a high maintenance podcast. That's right. We need it. We need a, uh, you know, it's like, what do you call We need an entourage. That's what we need. Yes. That's what we need. Yeah. This a is team. This is my man Sleepy. He carries my cape. <laughs> this is my man. Um, one of the first things my daughter's therapist said when she started phobia treatment was that anxiety thrives on avoidance. The more you try to avoid what scares you, the stronger the anxiety becomes. That concept forms the basis of exposure therapy, which can make you an effective way of overcoming clinical fears. Instead of avoiding things that make you anxious, exposure therapy involves approaching what scares you step by step, little by little, and processing the fear. So a uh, founder of Oakley Psychotherapy in San Francisco says that, quote, horror can actually teach us how to handle real world stress better. During a stressful film, we are intentionally exposing ourselves to anxiety-producing stimuli. We usually don't engage in the same unhealthy coping mechanisms that we utilize in real life. We learn how to manage the stress in the moment. This practice can translate to helping us manage everyday stressors and fears. Knowing this, Hmm. I thought that Alison Rosen, somebody who has a little trouble with anxiety from time to time, Maybe. And also doesn't watch horror movies at all. Right. So I was thinking, I was like, how well, how can I help Allison? That's what I always think every day. I think I wake up. How can I help Allison? <laughs> oh my gosh. You are the, you, what a, what an altruistic gem you are. That's how I yeah, got the king know, carry- of good news. You know, just thinking about right. others. Yeah. Carry on, please. So I was thinking, because like, I know a bit about horror films. I came into them late in life during COVID. The only thing that was open to go to was the drive-in movie theater. And they showed mm-hmm. a lot of horror films. So I was just like, okay, whatever's on tonight. Movie Becky's playing, I'll go watch Becky. And then I started to kind of like schlocky horror films. 
So I thought, you know what? Like, as as your therapist, Allison, because we don't have have one <laughs> on our entourage, I was going to recommend some films for you. How's that? Oh, okay. I'll I'll jot these down. Please, please. Um, the first one we've talked about on the show before, and it's called Fresh, and uh, that was about the cannibal that like eats the yeah. eats the chick from where the crawdads sing. Right, and that has Sebastian Stan, and I'm sort of attracted to him. So, sort of. I can't decide if I am, but that at least offers me like something to think about aside from my fear. Right. Yeah. So maybe we can write that one down. Okay. Um, another one because I, I came up with five. So like you could do like a one oh. one week. You know, like Monday you'd watch Fresh. Uh, Tuesday one's called it's called Wendy ate my face. And I have a dog named Wendy and a friend named Wendy. Yeah. Well, it's actually about a dog that's a King Charles Spaniel. Okay, uh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's it, a little close to home. Yeah, it eats it eats the whole family, and it's oh my gosh, it starts with the face. So okay. yeah, the fam. I'd never heard of that one. Yeah, so the, surprise. Fam- family has like two young boys and the thing. Um, so the huh. Wednesday, Wednesday. That's weird. I've never heard of that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wednesday. So weird. Uh, is a movie called The Burbank Strangler. Oh, but oh, <laughs> yeah. well, this is really close. These are just random ones, or you? These are ones that you chose for me. Well, these are ones personally that I've enjoyed watching. Uh, <laughs> okay. And it is strangler. This guy and he strangles podcasters that live in. Oh Burbank. my gosh! Yeah. So what's so specific? The thing is, when you have headphones on. You can't hear can't hear him. You can't hear him. So he comes right in and he gets behind and then he just starts strangling and you scream. Jeez. And the problem is everybody watching is like on Zoom or whatever. So they're like, oh, my God, somebody yeah. help her. And then there's nothing they could do. So it's very frightening. And then they think, is he coming for me? Am I in Burbank? Great film. Uh, Thursday. That sounds really scary, though. Yeah, we have Thursday and then Friday. Is a, is a movie called Daniel Killed Me in My Sleep. <laughs> oh, wow. Daniel Killed Me in My Sleep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Again, it's just, my husband's name is Daniel. Yeah. It just seems really, really scary. Like, it might really scare me. So, like, she's asleep, and this guy seems like a nice guy. <laughs> seems nice, and then oh, while boy. she's asleep... Chops her up into little pieces. Oh my god! Yeah. And there's wait. Is there any indication that he might be mean? Nothing at all. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Oh my god! And, and the thing is, these are all part of the same, I guess, cinematic universe. Where then he feeds the woman to the King Charles Spaniel. Oh my god! Yeah. The. But wait, is the same woman who? Different woman than obviously it's a different woman than the one who was whose dog ate her face or who was a podcaster. Oh. She's not a podcaster. Uh, I I don't I don't remember that part. I don't I don't okay. I don't remember her job. I don't th- I think her job isn't really an important part of the story. I don't know that uh, this is gonna. Okay, go ahead. I just don't know that this is gonna help me with my anxiety. I feel like I it might it, create more anxiety. Well, look. Okay, okay, Allison, are you a licensed psychologist? <laughs> no, no. All right. And we don't and have one on the show to help us. Thanks, Upworthy. Budget, yeah. people. Uh, and then the last it's one... It's just weird. I've never heard of any of these movies except for Fresh. Yeah. And then the the, the last one, um, it's called <laughs> Die, Allison, Rosen, Die. Oh, my God. That's so specific. And uh, your, for anyone who's just listening, you, Todd, is holding a knife. What? No. Oh, I was... It's, this was I was and now earlier, he's waving it around. He's waving a er, knife around. Earlier, he's I was po- poking a knife at me through Zoom, slicing an apple. Um, and so the thing it's is, a giant knife on on Friday. Die, Allison Rosen, die. Uh, it's about a magical clown. Oh my God! I'm very afraid of clowns. Yeah, and I mean he, if the if if the title isn't enough to put me off of it, it's the clowns. And yeah, he listened to this podcast. Oh my god! And then he he became obsessed with Allison Rosen. And Just hearing about it is scary. I know it's like an obsessed fan kind of thing. That's also a clown. Um, 
And so she she the problem is she begins kind of questioning everybody around her in life and goes, "Are you the clown? Are you the clown?" Like she's waiting in line somewhere at the Jersey Mike's, and the person behind me is like, "Is this the clown? I don't know." Like she looks at uh, her husband uh, and is like, "Is he the clown?" And children, every everywhere, everybody could possibly coworkers, you know, podcasts. Co-hosts, everything could mm-hmm. possibly be the clown. So this this drives her um, to commit suicide. Um, oh my god! Sorry, spoiler alert. This is so dark. Yeah. Well, no, I like the thing is sometimes when I watch a scary movie, I like to know the synopsis ahead of time. So I actually appreciate that. But yeah, I don't know, Todd. I don't know. I don't know if I can watch fresh. Wendy ate my face, the Burbank Strangler, Daniel killed me in my sleep, and die, Allison Rosen, die. I don't think, I get that this is all supposed to help me with my anxiety, but I just don't know. And also, for the listeners out there who knew about these movies, why didn't you tell me? You know I love movies with Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Yeah. It's weird that you guys didn't tell me about this. I'm beginning to think you might be the clown. The clown of good news. <laughs> the, honestly, <laughs> it's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison Rosen, yes. on a scale of one through five, and better get ready to rate the last week you've ever rated on here after Upworthy oh fires us after that bit. Um, oh. <laughs> Don't take me down with you. <laughs> that's um, I had nothing to do with that. I just reacted. That's Saturday's movie. Allison gets taken down. Um, so, on a scale of one to five, one being horrible Wendy ate my face, Five being transplanted. How was your week? I'm going to give it a 3.5. A 3.5. It was It was fine. It was straight down the middle. Mm. Um, my kids are sick. We're sick. They're better. Now I'm a little sick. I'm tired of being sick. I'm glad it's not COVID. But Sunday was my mom's birthday, and I went down to visit her. My family went down to visit her. My sister's family went down to visit her. My brother was in town. Um, so it was nice getting the cousins together. We had like nice family time. So that was nice. That uh, was was actually very, very, very nice. Uh, the cousins all played together and it was like very sweet and heartwarming. So that was nice. Everyone being sick is not nice. And then um, that last bit that you did was awful. Uh, and I uh, was very, very frightening, Todd. Mm. Um, so yeah. And uh, in terms of whether I'm a better person, something happened and it made me, and I was like, oh, I'm a better person. But now I'm forgetting what it was. Oh, no. I was like, I got to bring this up because it shows that I'm, oh, shoot. Todd, what was it? Uh, I was like, here's an example of me being a better person. <laughs> I was like, look at this. Look at this thing that I'm doing where that shows I'm a better person. But no. And it wasn't I, because the week before it was that I started like, getting things packed earlier for the mm. kids' lunches. Um, oh, I know. Oh. It's amazing that it has taken me this many years of having my show and of having email to finally do this. I cannot believe I didn't do this till right now. It's insane that I didn't do this. I just made a folder in my email for what I, I termed it guest consideration. And so when I get an email from a publicist or someone pitching me a guest, now I just put it in that folder. And then also when someone, I just decided last night when someone emails me wanting me to go on their podcast, I put it in that folder too, because oftentimes I'll get emails and then they, they just kind of get lost. And then I'll get another email like following up on that here I am like kind of criticizing my husband for not being on top of just lately. I feel like I've, I'm not on top of this. And then I was like, Oh, why don't like, I've just started organizing my email this many years into having email Mm. so that I feel like I'm slightly better because all of a sudden uh, I'm a little more organized. That's why I'm a better person. You mastered email right as email is being phased out. 
That's my, I mentioned this on Childish. My theory about everything involving me is I master it at the very end. Like probably like three years before I die, I'm going to get really good at life. Yeah. I'm going to really nail it. Yeah. And then I'm going to sit, I'm going to peace out. Todd, how was your week on a scale of one being Daniel killed me in my sleep mm. and five being pretty in pink or something where I don't die? I'm going to give it a 2.5. Um, oh. I, uh, I've i been sick all week, and so then that's been lame, and it just been like blowing my nose and, you know, whatever. Sick stuff, lame. Sick stuff. Yeah, but the good stuff has been staying home, and there's been great sports this week with the Dodgers in the playoffs, and the Raiders lost a nail-biter on Monday. So I've been sitting at home watching sports, and that's enough for me, and so that was that, that brought up a bad week. Good. And are you a better person? Okay, I'm going to let you judge this one, which normally you're going to oh, probably good. judge me as being worse. But I know. <laughs> so I think I kind of lied to my wife. Uh-oh. But it wasn't a lie lie. It was just not saying something, which is kind of like lying sometimes. Uh, a lie of omission. Yes. And so I got a, a parking ticket couple weeks ago while we were, we were living in an Airbnb at the time because my house went to crap and I parked on the wrong side of the street and I got like a $70 ticket when I woke up in the morning but I didn't know the, the street parking because like I don't live at that place I was just staying there for mm-hmm. a weekend yeah. so I just quietly paid it okay just paid it didn't tell her I got the ticket just paid it and then maybe she's gonna look at the budget or she's gonna look at the bank account and go What's this $70 to the city of Long Beach for? Right? right. I, I don't what, what did right. what did you buy? So is that bad? Does that make me a bad person? Because I just don't want to have the conversation of I got a ticket. Because here's the thing. When when you're married when you're single, you get a parking ticket and you go, ah, that sucks, I got a parking ticket, but such is life. Right? Mm-hmm. Or you, you yes. beat yourself up a little bit. Marriage, right. you get it twice. Because you get mad at yourself. <laughs> Oh, I got a ticket. And then my wife goes, oh, ticket? And then, like, you know, cop with the billy club and a cartoon. Oh, you really? You got a ticket? Can't you just not get tickets? Why do you get tickets? Mm. And then there has to be some kind of moralizing and a discussion and a mild punishment for me getting a, a, a ticket. And then I'll get, a, like, a lecture, like, well, don't you... Look at the signs when you park. Well, not ninety percent of the time, I look at the signs. And it's it's also like a, it's like a doc. Like, of course, Doctor Obvioso. Of course, it. Well, you didn't that time. And then it's right. a discussion. I don't want to have the discussion. So I figure mm. more like I'll get just a conversation about. Oh, you didn't tell me you got a ticket. Versus, I'd rather fight right. over not telling her I got the ticket than fight about the ticket. You get me? Hmm. Uh, like, could you email her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay. So what you're saying is, even if you were to say to her, honey, I want to tell you something. Mm. Um, oh, oh wait, wait, got- stop, stop. Never start you a conversation with, I want to tell you something. Holy crap. Or can we talk? No, no, we yeah. can't talk and you can't tell me anything. I'm running out the door. Okay. You know, okay. All right. So even if you were to say... Oh, I forgot to tell or whatever. Like, hey, I, I got a ticket and I paid it. I just I realized I didn't mention it. And like No, I hear what you're saying. Like, because yeah. I think that if Daniel came to me and told me that he got a ticket, he paid it, he was hesitant to tell me because he was afraid that I would get mad at him, but he but he didn't want to be keeping something from me, I would hear all of that and like I would realize he's being vulnerable because and he like I would go out of my way to not make him feel bad because he was being brave and coming to me and like would your wife do that or no no (laughs) no okay she wouldn't cut you any slack so there's no way that telling her is gonna there's no way you can get any slack okay then go ahead and and have your fight over not telling her all right good you know also I think that if Daniel came to you like that it'd be misdirection yeah, it would be manipul- manipulative is what you're saying. Misdirect because he doesn't want you to know what he has planned. Right. 
Oh, oh, you mean because he's going to kill me in my sleep? I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the Upworthy Weekly Podcast featuring the best of humanity. <laughs> what has happened to us? And, and by that, I mean you. I got to straighten it up for next week. I'm going to get back in line. It's Halloween. King of Good. It's Halloween. Episode? We're, we're doing Halloween content. Produced by Tom okay. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.